Delivering clear, concise, and entertaining content on demand, this is SharperTalkMedia.com. Join the community. Welcome to Hire Up, the podcast designed to help you take your business to a higher level. Get the latest news and updates on everything human resources. Unlock the occupational DNA so you can identify, select, develop, and retain top talent. And now your host, John Beck. Well, hello, everyone, and I would like to welcome you to another episode of Higher Up, a podcast devoted to everything human resources and taking your business to a higher level. Today, we have a very special guest, Greg Ford, the CEO and co-founder of TalentClick, and Greg knows safety. For over 20 years, Greg and his team have been helping organizations across the world improve their safety programs, enhance productivity through workforce education, and innovative preventive measures. Greg holds an undergraduate degree in psychology and a master's degree in workplace learning. Greg is a member of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers, and his articles have been published in numerous magazines and journals such as Bloomberg, Canadian HR Reporter, and Workplace Today. Greg is also co-author of a book called Before It Happens, which is available on Amazon. Let's welcome Greg Ford. Hello, John. Thanks so much for having me today. Well, Greg, we're just excited to have you on the podcast. And what a great topic to be talking about today. It's so prevalent in the workforce, and that's safety. What I really am interested in is your organization is cutting edge in bringing two companies information that they've never really been privy to before. So let's let's start off, Greg, and I'm going to let you toot your horn here for a moment. Tell us about Talent Click. Why Talent Click? Why now? Thanks, John. And I agree with you. It's a really exciting topic. And bottom line is we're helping save lives and save companies money. Um, we've been doing personality assessments for pre-employment screening for years and years and years. Uh, we have clients around the world, big companies, small companies, in various sectors such as natural resources, construction, manufacturing, transportation, and more. And uh, personality assessments, most people know, they've been around for 50 years, ever since the Myers-Briggs. Uh, but their use has exploded in recent years. And in fact, I saw a recent stat that shows that more than 60% of Fortune 500 companies are now using assessments in the hiring process. And I think that has a lot to do with the you know really big advent and push of the computer technology and online delivery of methods. Isn't that part of what you would think is the industry boom in the assessment world? Well, exactly. And uh, my co-founder and partner, Stephen Race, he's an industrial psychologist. And, and more than that, he's a specialist in the assessment creation. But it's funny that, you know, 25 years ago, all of these assessments were done on paper and somebody would sit down for 30 minutes and fill in the little bubbles. And, and then, <laughs> you know, they, the psychologist would go away and mark it against an answer key. And it right. would take them days or weeks to create a report. But now with cloud-based technology, it's really fast for people to get this done. And you're right, that's one of the reasons that has become so prevalent. 
Talent Click is providing these types of services for what types of organizations? When I think safety, the first thing comes to mind is construction. You know, I mean, it just pops into my mind. Mm-hmm. Well, when I look at our customer base around the world, many of them are in construction. Uh, as I said, some are in oil and gas or mining, forestry. We have transportation clients uh, and so on. And bottom line is, it's anyone who's concerned about safety and keeping keeping people safe and having them go home to their families at the end of the day. And, um, you know, internally, of course, they're concerned about their incident rates and insurance and property damage and and the negative publicity that can take place from any incident. Uh, So there's a number of reasons why this particular topic is now gaining a lot of traction uh, with industrial companies. Well, I couldn't think of a better solution or a better avenue for an organization to get this type of information in. I can remember back 20 years ago, and you're right, it was almost cost prohibitive for some organizations to do any type of assessment because filling out these bubble sheets was time consuming on the applicant or the employee. It was time consuming on getting the results. The turnaround was almost not conducive for business. Now where we are today, it's almost like if you're not doing employee assessments, let me put it like this. 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, a friend of mine told me, if you don't have a website, you're not in business. And the way I feel about the assessments is that if you're not using employee assessments today in your organization, you may not be in business tomorrow. And and I know that's a strong statement. We spend days and days researching and deciding on making a computer purchase, for example. But yet, we will sit across from someone, speak to them 15 minutes, and make a 30, 40, 50, 60, 70,000 decision to hire them with limited information. It's almost like having your open sign. That's how I look at it. So let, let's kind of drive into the topic. I hear a lot about this, and tell me a little bit about, and for me, it sometimes can get confusing with organizations. Explain the difference between personality and behavior and how that affects safety in the workplace. Mm-hmm, they're definitely not. So when it comes to personality in general, we're all hardwired a certain way. We're born with certain traits, and it's these natural default settings that we, we call them that dictate our natural urges and the actions that follow. Another way to think about it is personality is how we act when nobody's looking. And this is especially relevant when it comes to personality risk. Now, when it comes to behavior, that's simply the manifestation of those urges and impulses. Um, it's the action that comes from how we're hardwired. So I'll give you an example. When I speak at conferences, I show this big picture on the screen right. of a 10-year-old boy on a skateboard, and he's poised at the top of a steep hill thinking about riding down the hill. <laughs> yes. And at the bottom is the is the is is a boardwalk into the ocean. Right. And when I show that picture, many people gasp and clutch their chests and envision broken bones and a hospital visit. And those are the people who are born more naturally cautious, let's say. Right. Uh, but the other people, their reaction is, cool, I'd like to be that kid. Yeah. And, and those people are born more naturally impulsive or they've got a need for you know adrenaline and they're thrill-seeking. Now, we make it clear there's no right or wrong reaction to that. It's simply how we're hardwired. But that's the difference between the, the personality and the actions that follow. That kid, his behavior is going to be dictated by his personality. What a, that, that is a great explanation. And, you know, as you just mentioned, there's no right or wrong because it's hard to fail who you are. So who you are is, is what you are. And if the assessment can identify that, then it gives you a basis in how to manage that risk. So which leads me to 
what is an employee personality risk assessment? Because you hear a lot about risk assessments in organizations, but we're really getting down to the employee personality mm-hmm. risk assessment, drilling down to the, you know, where the rubber meets the road, the frontline mm-hmm. guy, day in and day out, living and breathing it. What does this risk assessment do for him? Sure. So here's an easy way to think about personality risk. Everyone knows we have an IQ, which is a measure of general intelligence. Most people know we have what's called an EQ for emotional intelligence. But not everyone knows we've got a built-in risk tolerance or safety intelligence, and we call that SQ, safety quotient. And our tool, which is just a you know 15-minute online um, survey, it measures the natural default settings around how distractible we are, how impulsive, how rule-resistant, impatient, and so on. That's what a personality risk assessment is. Ah, great. And which leads me to, once we identify that information and we identify these behavioral patterns, can that be modified or, or changed? Or do you try to change that behavior or do you modify it? Or what's the approach? Really important question. Thanks for asking that. Uh, We have to make it clear, we don't modify personalities. Personality is, as I said, it's kind of who we are, it's how we're born, our default settings, and it's very resistant to change. So what we help people do if they choose to use our tool for you know existing employees and in training and employee development is we can help modify choices and actions. So again, the kid on the skateboard, we can help make him aware of the dangers, the consequences, he can you know, think through what might happen. Um, right. Another example would be driving. And I use this because most people can relate to it. Um, I score high risk on most of the dimensions. And I've learned to accept that about myself. It's right. just who I, who I am. That's but, right. And, um, and you my, can't fail who you are. <laughs> right. Yeah, but when I'm driving down the road, I'm behind the wheel of the car, my natural urge and impulse is to want to be fiddling with the radio station or you know, looking off in the distance or playing with my cell phone and checking text messages and emails. And now that I know that about myself, I've got that self-awareness that I monitor my own uh, behavior, my own actions and choices. And I will put that phone in the glove compartment or in the back seat. Um, or I'll pull over if I have to make a call or send a text message. Right. So that's the pattern interrupt. So when you ask, can you know, behaviors be modified? Yes, it can. Um, doesn't mean the personality has changed. I will still have that urge and impulse to be f- checking my phone. But now I've interrupted the pattern of behavior. And this is what can really work well in the workplace as well. That is incredible information because we can actually assess an individual based on their risk tolerances take that information, see where that gap is and where the exposure is, and then help that individual with a pattern interrupter, basically. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that's good stuff. In essence, what we're saying here is a risk assessment can predict human error and possibly save lives. Is that where we're going with this? In a word, yes, absolutely. Um, You know, I'll throw out a a quick caution or disclaimer that we, we can't actually predict an event from happening with absolute certainty. We deal with statistics and probability in our field. So we predict if someone is more likely or less likely to have an incident. Wow. Um, we're not a magic solution or silver bullet. But, but back to your question, um, this type of predictive analytics are really valuable to companies because research shows that 90% of all accidents are due to human error. 
It's not due to equipment failure or lack of standard operating procedures or lack of training. It's people, the workers who have the right equipment and training and they know what they're supposed to be doing and yet often they don't do it. That's what we're talking about here. So we're definitely helping companies when you say, you know, what are the results? Um, does it actually save lives? Yeah, in many instances, we, we think it probably is saving lives. It's definitely reducing incident rates. Um, we say by an average of 20%. Um, some companies, it's been 40 or 50%. Um, and that reduction can mean fewer fatalities, injuries, property damage, work stoppages, you know, less negative publicity. We actually had one CEO say, I don't want CNN on my doorstep yeah. for another factory explosion. We had another executive at a construction company say, Greg, I can't call another grieving widow to say, I'm sorry, your husband died on my job site. So there's some pretty powerful reasons why companies are now taking a look at this. If you can make the smallest change or the smallest gain in the area of preventable incidents or saving a life, just the smallest, smallest gain, then this is something that to me would be a no-brainer for an organization. How are these high-risk workers identified and what are the, what, what's being measured? What are, the, what are the default settings that are being measured in this type of risk assessment? Yeah, so you've heard me mention a few of the terms that we measure, things like distractibility, impulsiveness, uh, rule resistance, otherwise known as defiance, right. uh, impatience, which uh, is also you know irritability, which on the road can translate into road rage, mm. um, anxiousness, thrill seeking, and, and so on. So those are the those default settings that we measure. When an organization gets this type of information, and then, okay, well, here we identify. How do organizations typically use this information? So most organizations are using it for either pre-employment screening and hiring um, or for existing employees to help, as I mentioned, you know, that self-awareness piece with right. training. Okay. And again, there's no right or wrong application. It just depends on how they want to use it. Okay. If they're using it for pre-employment screening, they're really seeing some incremental gains. You mentioned earlier, it's, it's almost table stakes now to be using something like this. And it's because... <laughs> good HR people are realizing that the success rate for an interview alone uh, to hire good or top performers is about 50%. It's literally a coin toss. Yeah, and, I, um, and, and I've, I've seen numbers where uh, on interviewing alone that to hire a top performer, you, it's about a 17% chance to hire a top performer. So obviously, the more data points and information you can get to make an informed decision, the better off you are. As well, an and that's the key is data, it's science, it's evidence-based decision-making. Uh, we all think we have a good gut instinct, John, and we can read people well, but you know what? We can't. Um, and too often the people that we're interviewing, are they're going through a performance. Some people, you know, have you ever interviewed someone who turned out to be a poor performer, John? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's <laughs> happened. <laughs> happens all the time. Happens we over all the time. We overestimate our abilities. Go we ahead. toss this into the mix. It does, research shows that it goes from around that coin toss 50% up to around 75%. So yeah. not 100%. It's not a silver bullet. Yeah. But going from 50 to 75, that's a 50% incremental gain. And that's where we're helping companies save millions of dollars in employee turnover and lost productivity, not to mention all those safety incidents as well. You know, Greg, that one of my big things that I do is 
occupational DNA, and I've always talked about occupational DNA. When we talk about the DNA of an organization in terms of fit, for example, in terms of identifying the safety needs for that organization, are we doing this from a one-size-fits-all? Because I would think that you know the level of, of a safety model for one organization may differ from one to the other and so on. So you know, in my organization, the, the, large, the biggest risk we have here is a slip and fall and a paper cut. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, so if, or would my employees be modeled against, let's say, where they're working in the uh, chemical industry and they're dealing with some pretty bad stuff? Uh, obviously, there's a different level of safety. So are we working this from a one-size-fits-all? Or tell me a little bit about how are they measured? How does that come about? It's definitely not a one-size-fits-all. So we're constantly doing research, and we correlate the results of our assessments with the safety incident data that these companies are providing. And some companies have more incidents due to one type of um, action over another. So with transportation, for instance, usually it is the distractibility dimension they're, they're most interested in. Right. Um, with other companies, it might be workers who are more impatient and irritable due to being physically uncomfortable. We started working with a, a global steel manufacturing company and uh, in the winter it was extreme cold, in the summer it was extreme heat, and their workers were just, the hot-headed ones were kind of flying off the handle and lashing out at other people. Um, so they really started looking at more of the sort of the impatient people as opposed to other dimensions. Another thing, so it's not just the sector, it's the severity and frequency of the incidents that vary and, and right. prevents the one-size-fits-all. So some organizations such as, let's say, an electrical utility company with high voltage scenarios, they've right. got fewer fewer actual incidents, but when they do happen, they're usually fatal. Yeah. And yeah. other companies, you know, food manufacturing, it's more cuts. Right. Um, we've got transportation, like big, big trucking companies say they rarely have crashes with injuries, but the small crashes are frequent and they're a huge pain. Even if it's a fender bender with a $200,000 18-wheeler, the fender bender is costing them you know, $6,000 per incident. And not to so, mention the amount of paperwork that goes in. I think I've heard you talk about that before. I mean, just the, all the soft costs that go into documenting and tracking. and Oh, it's just, you know, companies are just overburdened with, with the reporting of, of this type of information. So when you can minimize it, that's just a, a, a snowball effect across the organization in terms of savings. I'm glad you brought that up because with the executives, they do generally care more about the, the bigger issues, you know, insurance costs and negative publicity and so on. But the frontline safety officers, it is absolutely paperwork that can be their biggest pain. Sure. Even if it is a slip, trip, fall, you know, back sprain, what have you, yeah. um, it can be three or four hours of paperwork for that one individual. And if there's a major investigation, then there's people above them. And you start uh, quantifying the hourly cost of all those people, that can also be an enormous uh, cost as well. I've heard you speak before, and for the audience, what does an average injury cost an organization? Well, according to the U.S. National Safety Council, it's about thirty-six to thirty-eight thousand dollars. Wow! And and that's just the direct cost. So when I speak, I put up a you know the, <laughs> the age-old uh, iceberg where what you see above the surface of the water is is that direct cost, the thirty-six thousand dollars. Below the surface, it's what's not insurable. So it is things like 
the property damage, the legal costs, the replacement workers, the lost productivity, customer dissatisfaction, and on and on it goes. And negative publicity that you never really know the dollar well, value of that. Yeah, and, and the studies vary, but they're generally saying it could be four or five times the direct costs. So if it's $36,000, we're talking about over $150,000 yes. in, in indirect costs. Wow. Tell us a little bit about how would an organization use a safety assessment and is it valid for pre-employment selection? Yes. Um, short story is there's full validity and reliability um, for ours and any other uh, reputable tool out there. We have um, in our industry, uh, you know, peer-reviewed uh, studies. It's not just us in our own stamp on it right um there's quite a rigorous process for this so yes it's definitely valid for pre-employment selection uh it also meets uh, the eeoc guidelines in the u.s and uh, we've got lots of technical manuals and and case studies and so on that uh, anyone can request if they need to see that right yeah I, i know you guys are doing data tracking and analysis for the clients where you're looking at incident rates versus assessment results and so on and so forth and what type of results are, can an organization expect to see in terms of gains in, in using these types of products? So they, if they're using it for um, existing employees and for training, um, they're often not able to see um, results in, let's say, an incident reduction and, until some time has passed. Sure. Um, and that's actually a good thing. They want people to, um, you know, start thinking about themselves, self-monitoring their own actions. But generally, it needs to be comparing year-over-year results with um, safety incident records. Right. Okay. Um, if they're using it for pre-employment screening, they'll often see faster results, not necessarily with the safety reduction, but whether or not they've hired that top performer or good performer or not. We know within weeks Right. Definitely within three months, whether we've got a good performer on the job or not. And again, back to what I was saying earlier about you know, the opportunity cost of hiring someone who doesn't fit. Um, you, you might have to let the person go or they choose to leave. Um, sometimes there are termination costs, severance packages, um, legal costs, and sure. so on. Anyway, back to the higher level gains that can be made. We've been working with some organizations, let's say, a big one based out of uh, the Midwest of the U.S. Uh, they've got um, 10,000 employees. Over a four-year period of time, they had over a, a 40% reduction in uh, incidents. Wow. And, and I can't say that was all just due to us. It was part of a comprehensive safety program. But put it this way, we're one of the very few things that they added to their puzzle. Right. And they're, they're delighted with what we bring to the table. So. Certainly an organization that's having any type of safety concern, what a great data point to add because it it helps you look at your business objectives. And what I like about your assessment program and the safety program that it's measurable and it's not one of these things that we implement bringing everyone in through a training program that's a generic training, but this is rifled in. This is targeted to the individual and their particular risks, and that's what I like. A lot of times organizations want to do what I call a shotgun approach at safety. Let's, you know, let's throw something out there and hope it sticks to the wall. This is rifled in and targeted to the particular individual. I, I can't you know, speak enough about how I feel this this can impact an organization. Normally, I would like to thank you for your time today, but before we do that, I want you to tell us a little bit. I know I'm throwing a little curveball at you, but tell us a little bit about your book, 
Before It Happens. Yeah, the full title is Before It Happens, How Safety, Self-Awareness Can Empower Workers and Improve Your Safety Culture. And you've heard me throughout the podcast talk a little bit about some companies using this for existing employees. Right. And and we love that. We really are trying to get the, uh, the frontline workers to have that self-awareness and monitor their own actions and behaviors because we're always trying to say there's... You know, this is how we're born, and there's no good or bad way of being born. But let's give people the tools, the self-empowerment, to make different choices and behaviors. When we respect people like that, um, they react well. I mean, in safety in general, there's been a lot of finger pointing, and the blame game's been going on a long time. And pencil whipping just doesn't necessarily work. You know, we had one person who'd been on the job for 30 years, and she said, the only time my boss ever talks to me is when... I've done something wrong. I've heard you mention the camera in the sky scenario. Yeah, a lot of old school safety guys are, you know, their their vision of safety is to, you know, catch people doing things wrong with a camera in the sky. Right. The forward thinking progressive ones now are really saying to their employees, look, you know, (laughs) you're a valuable worker. Um, We're going to love you for who you are. Um, It's almost like kids. Yeah. (laughs) But when we're training kids, we're, we're saying, look, you're my, my son or daughter. I love you for you are. But that action and behavior isn't quite acceptable. We need to work on that. And and that's what it is. It's just a very simple analogy. And that's what these progressive companies are really doing. Wow. So we can find that book on Amazon.com before it happens. Uh, Greg Ford. Greg, uh, anything else uh, before we close out today? No, that's it. Um, you can hear the excitement in my voice, um, and, and I think in yours as well. And um, we really do believe we're doing a good thing in the world by helping people you know, go home to their families at the end of the day, which is the most important reason for doing this. But as well, we really are helping companies save a lot of money. I want to personally thank you for joining us today, Greg, at the HARA podcast. And I also want to thank our listeners, because we know every time that you tune into the HARA podcast, you've made a choice and and you've chose us to listen and we really appreciate that. And we're going to continue to do our best to bring to the table interesting topics, important topics, and trying to make human resources and HR fun again. When you have the type of technology that Greg and his organization brings to the table with those types of professionals, it's a win-win for the organization. So, Greg, I want to personally, again, thank you so much for joining us today. And for everyone out there, we'll have show notes at www.hrhigherup.com. You'll be able to visit show notes there, and we will have contact information, how you can come through us to reach Greg and his organization. When we're looking at uh, safety, think about how can we address this before it happens. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you. Goodbye. updates and more on how to break the code to unlocking occupational dna join the community at hrhigherup.com and take your business to 
level. This has been an exclusive production of SharperTalkMedia.com. Join the community.